This is episode 216 of How About That Cigar, recorded live at the Corona Cigar Studio. We have Mike Giordano on the show to talk about quality importers and some other industry topics. Please take a minute to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Now on with the show. Corona Cigar Company is your one-stop shop for all your cigar needs. Whether that's a brand new humidor, a box of those new cigars you've been waiting for, a top-of-the-line cutter or lighter, a place to enjoy the finest cigars and spirits with friends, or the only cigars grown right here in the Sunshine State, we've got you covered. Come visit one of our retail locations for the ultimate cigar experience. Visit us online at coronacigar.com. How about that cigar? Well, how about that cigar? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Corona Cigar Studios for episode 216 of How About That Cigar Live. 216. That's a good number. It's ridiculous. It's every time we get the numbers go up and I just am so uh, just incredibly grateful to you guys for watching and listening. So if you're live on Facebook or live on YouTube right now, join us in the comments. Let us know what you're smoking and drinking. And thank you so much for being with us. And of course, if you're listening after the fact on the audio podcast, thank you so much for making How About That Cigar a part of your regular audio podcast rotation. And yes, as you can see on screen right now, like and subscribe. Smash You'll it. find us on all your favorite social media platforms at HBT Cigar. And we have a super cool special guest coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, but first, I would love to introduce you guys to our famous producer, Justin. Welcome to the show. A.K.A. Justy Smoke. A.K.A. Justy Smoke. Um, <laughs> it is another beautiful night here in minnesota it is we gotta we gotta soak this all in before before the the snow starts coming down probably next week can i can i be honest (laughs) yeah go ahead that week where it was 70 to 60 yeah that was perfect for me well we're getting a little hot for me at least the humidity dropped like saturday the humidity was just oh sick oh my god i was outside all day i heard you lost a few pounds yeah i'm I'm 199.4 this weekend so i've lost like 20 pounds since i started gardening over the last couple months hey whatever works man put on a garbage bag if you have to there you go (laughs) um all right so this is very cool um you guys know we love our uh our sports here the minnesota twins are in the playoffs so tomorrow night we uh tomorrow night we start out the wild cards uh series best of three against the toronto blue jays it was it was supposed to be it was a last minute change it was supposed to be the astros that we faced but the astros ended up going ahead of texas really so the astros got the uh divisional spot and so now we're going up the up against the blue jays i like the matchup better so in six games of the regular season toronto won three and we won three and we're very closely matched as far as total wins for the Sizz. So I think these two teams are very evenly matched and, and the games are at target field. I'm going to go and say the twins are going to smoke them. Well, I hope so. I hope you're right. I feel it. I feel it. My Yankees are out. The twins have been on fire. I've been watching a little more of them. The twins have really been playing and, and we got Correa and uh, Royce Lewis back from injury. Nice. So, so that's going to help. So Grand Slam rolls a Twins fan when he's not a Yankees fan. So I don't hear. I, I'm okay well, with that. I'm okay. With Yankees that. are limited. I okay. got to yeah. for hometown. Team. Yeah, I got no problem with that. I like that. When do the Yankees Tony? 
That's a good question. I think they play they play in April of next year is when they play. Oh, sorry, buddy. It's okay. It's okay. The Yankees have had plenty of plenty of good stuff over the over the years. Uh, but it's cool that we got guys back from injury. It's going to be a good series. Um, and hopefully we can break that streak of 18 straight playoff it's game gonna losses. going to happen. And yes, from Canada, it's almost hockey season. So uh, preseason hockey is actually already underway. Yeah, it was on earlier today, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, I mean, us being Minnesota Wild fans, very hopeful that they have a good season. Uh, but you know how hockey is. Um, we have Canadian listeners. Tonight. I know. That's great. I know. I love that. Um, so the Vikings finally won a game. Oh, they wait, did. Wait. And, and then right when Coop <laughs> comes in, do you have a Matt LaFleur update? Or do you want to talk about the Vikings first, right? Well, yes, I, I mean, I just wanted to mention that the, you know, throw some table scraps at the Vikings fans that they yeah, finally won they, a game. They have somebody like, like actually do something <laughs> like really good. That's like no other players ever done. I read something that somebody got like so many yards or touched. That was JJ. JJ. There you go. Oh, Justin. JJ, Jefferson. He's a machine. Yeah. He is. He's, he's a fantastic so player. Uh, Thursday, last Thursday night, the Packers got absolutely embarrassed by the Detroit Lions. Sorry for your life. Um, and, and they're, they're, uh, Coop, they're, to answer your question, there is no Matt LaFleur update. Uh, he's still an extremely good coach, uh, who's, you know, in, in a, a year with a lot of changes and a, a lot of shifting going on. And at the end of the day, players have to execute. So I have to say, and, so, and, and, sorry for your loss. Matt. Now I will say this Coop, I was, I'm sorry to interrupt. I will say this. Uh, Matt LaFleur should be embarrassed by his post-game press conference. That was just Ooh. pitiful. That, that, that is not the way you want to talk to the media when a game, when you, when you get blown out in a game like that. So yeah, LaFleur definitely stepped on his own tongue in that post-game press conference. Not a good look. Well, I hate to even help Green Bay out at all, but the guys catching a lot of shit for the last year. For getting rid rid of uh, Rogers, he wasn't the one. Now, that got, Lafleur isn't the one that got rid of Rogers. Whatever, and <laughs> you got to give the guy a couple years with the team he's going to build before you cut him, before you ax him. So yeah, he's in, that's the he, last nice thing I'll say about Green Bay. Ever. He's a few games into his fourth. His, sorry, his he's a few games into his fifth season as a head coach. So yeah. And he's and he's done great so far. The first four didn't count because he had a real coach. <laughs> he had a real out. quarterback. Yeah, yeah, no, and a real coach. No, I'm talking Rogers about LaFleur. No, Rogers was mostly a quarterback there and coach. Oh well, mm-hmm. yeah. There's mm-hmm. probably some of that going on. Um, and we we won't talk about my Jets. So the I was just going to say the Jets lost, but you should be happy that the Jets put up a fight. That was a very close game, a very well fought game. Yeah, and they got they jumped out to a nice leap. But hey. Do you know how many times I've seen Taylor Swift during that game? <laughs> More than I've seen Mahomes or anybody else. Jesus yeah, the ta- it's, it's like all the NFL she does. Like a, her own football team or something. Yeah, they don't even show. It. They don't even show the highlights. They just show oh, Taylor Swift up in yeah. the uh, up in the you know whatever the fanciest suite that yeah. the stadium is. Well, that's what you have when you're Taylor Swift. Um, oh, and I want to mention real quick. Last week uh, we had a giveaway from Drew Estate. And yes. I want to congratulate Mr. Matthew Willis from Matthew Cincinnati, Ohio. Willis. Okay. Was the winner of our Drew Estate giveaway. So congrats to him. Uh, but I think it's time. Yeah, it's a little time. applause yeah. for our, our winner from last week. Yeah. But this is a very special show this evening. First time guest on the show. Very excited to learn about his life and his story and what he is doing 
in the premium cigar industry and a special segment of the premium cigar industry. So without further ado, guys, let's bring on our special guest of the evening. And as always on How About That Cigar Live, special guests are brought to us by our friends at Drew Estate. And the Liga Pravada 10 Selection de Mercado is handcrafted to highlight the bold characteristics of a specially curated Connecticut Criollo Kappa leaf that's grown exclusively for Drew Estate by one farmer in the famed Connecticut River Valley. The name is Spanish for market selection, inspired by the old practice of selecting wrapper leaves for certain national markets by color. Drew Estate chose only the most beautiful Rosado Connecticut Criollo leaves to grace Selección de Mercado. The Rosado, uh, the Rosado Kappa surrounds a blend of tobaccos from Mexico, Nicaragua, and Pennsylvania to create a cigar that is deeply balanced, bold, and sophisticated. This cigar measures 6x52 and will be available in 10-count boxes to international markets. For more information, please visit DrewEstate.com. All right. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, if you would, put your hands together and welcome to episode 216 of How About That Cigar Live from Quality Importers, Mike Giordano. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Welcome, brother. Good to be here. So excited to have you on this evening. Uh, so if you would, please let our audience know where are you broadcasting from? And if you're enjoying a fine cigar and beverage, let us know what you're enjoying this evening. This evening, I'm broadcasting from my home office in uh, Davie, Florida, which is just a couple miles west of our headquarters in Weston, Florida, southeast Florida, near um, equidistant from Fort Lauderdale and Miami Airport. Very nice. And uh, normally I would I would be doing this from outside, but it's been super humid and rainy. Um, that's where I would be smoking a cigar. Um, so I'm not, I'm not smoking a cigar currently, but, um, uh, I would be, and, uh, I'm just having some, some cold tea really. Fantastic. Yeah. I know our friends in Florida, you included, uh, it has been kind of tough to spend a lot of time outside lately. So it's, you know, it's completely understandable. Feel bad for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, so I finished up my pregame cigar. And I think I'm going to get my main cigar of the evening fired up, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use this beautiful. Uh, this is the the Palio Pro, I believe. Nice. So I'm gonna uh, fire this baby up now. Uh, is there enough? Do you know how long I toast a cigar? Yeah. Is there? No, I'm kidding. There's plenty of plenty of butane in there. Oh, that's a monster. <laughs> All right, let's get uh, let's get speaking the socket. Monsters. Up. Yeah. Speaking of monsters. <laughs> Here meet he our, is. Meet our friend. Here he is. This is. Oh, I gotta get uh, get him on camera. There. Where is he? There he is. There he is. All right. Let's get this guy fired up right now on the Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust Toast Cam. When lighting your cigar, it's important to be patient. Pay close attention to detail and focus on the tobacco. In the same way, Steve Saka brings those same qualities to the ultra premium cigars of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Patience, close attention, and focus on the tobacco are the qualities that Saka and Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust have become known for. From Sober Mesa to Umbagog, Dunbarton has a blend that will fit your palate, palate, your mood, or any occasion. Please visit DunbartonCigars.com to learn more. I'm just going to keep toasting this. I mean, I'm just going to keep going with it. Okay, I'll keep so. talking. So, <laughs> as... 
as he's doing that, I'm going to give you guys a good view of this. Oh, no, no. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Look at that, baby. Oh, the poor Perfect. soccer squash. He's got he's got spider webs growing in between his feet. I got to clean him off oh, one of these no. days. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have that out of the way. Let's jump right in. All right. So, Mike. Yes. Um, one of the cool things that we get to do is we get to learn people's stories. We get to learn about where they came from, how they got in the industry. And you, you've got a cool story because, um, you know, the accessory market is really, I think a lot of cigar smokers don't realize how big the accessory market is. And it's such a cool space that we haven't gotten a chance to learn a lot about. And we get to learn about that from, from you. So um, start us out with, you know, kind of your your origins, how you got into the premium cigar business. Yeah, it started in the late 90s. <clears throat> and it, it wasn't in the wholesale part of the business. I actually, um, coming from New York, um, where cigar aficionado at the time, uh, there, were, there was a boom going on, I knew nothing of it. And a girlfriend of mine at the time said to me, Mike, you know, you know how to import. You're working at this company where you're doing purchasing and, and you're importing products from overseas. And there's a cigar boom going on and you could probably uh, get involved in supplying accessories. Um, and I said, OK, well, look, you know, Im importing is, is importing to me. You know, well, let's figure out how to do it. Am I going to do retail? Am I going to do wholesale? Well, the do wholesale was was going to be. Uh, a lift because I was going to have to um, get inventory. I was going to have to have a selection. I was going to have to market it that way. But remember, in the late 90s, the internet was very new. So what happened was, was that I set up a little um, retail website and uh, I found some supply of cutters and lighters and little ashtrays and knickknacks and leather cases and stuff like that. And what I did was I put together uh, an order. I, I flew it in. Um, I knew how to clear stuff through customs at the time. And I says, okay, let me try this out. So I started a website that I put together, just you know, homegrown. I didn't know what I was doing. And um, I listed the products that I got on there. And um, it was a slog. You know, I, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't really good at it. Uh, I was working in a wholesale company at the time and that resonated more with me than doing retail so i says i'm wired for wholesale i'm wired to bring in bulk i'm wired to sell bulk to do retail is something that is, is a very different part of the of the business chain so what i did was um i attempted to sell some products it was going real slow um my mother one day shows me an ad uh, in the the in New York on Sundays. We had a big paper. It was called Newsday. So the Sunday Newsday uh, was this huge paper, and in there was this article about this uh, this guy who had an online humidor business on the North Shore of Long Island. So I'm not too far from there. I'm, I grew up uh, on the South Shore of Long Island, and what I did was I reached out to him and I said, "Hey." I have these products and um, your website carries some things that are similar, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you'd be interested in them. So he, he says, I'll come over. 
So he comes over and I, I show what I had and uh, he buys everything. It was, I don't know, maybe a couple thousand dollars worth of stuff. And I thought, wow, you know, I'm here for weeks trying to figure out how to get online orders at retail and, and in one shot, somebody just picks it up. Um, he asked if I had humidors and I didn't. Well, it turns out that uh, the guy who reached out to me was Dave from Dave's Humidors. He had a website, cheaphumidors.com. And, um, and I didn't have any humidors, but I knew how to get them. He reached out to me a couple of weeks later and said, um, can you import humidors? I said, well, we can import anything. We just have to find what we want or we can figure out how to get it made. And one thing led to another. And he says, well, look, you know, I can start up something with you. And we did. And QI was effectively born. Um, we, we created one item. Uh, it was one humidor. We have it to this day. Uh, it's, it's called the El Rey glass top humidor. And uh, <laughs> that was almost 24 years ago now. So I come from an industry where in three to six months, if, if you don't have a new product, uh, the, the competition just basically takes, takes over your business. It was the electronic components business. Mm. Um, coming into the uh, cigar uh, industry, um, there's always an interest for new products on the accessory side, especially um, because there's there's really an interest in collecting, and that surprised us because what we've what we've always tried to do is we've tried to ask the customer well, what is it that you're looking for, and the the customer doesn't necessarily know. They know what they like, but they don't know what they're looking for always. Um, so the, the different companies will come out with something. If it's a lighter, they started out, what was it? Blazer back in the day started out with mm -hmm. the, the torch. And then someone has two, two flames. And then someone comes up with three flames. And then it's four flames. And it's almost like, remember Gillette when they were like, uh, you know, we're going to come out with a five blade razor. And then someone at Gillette goes, hey, who says we even need blades for a razor, right? So that's kind of like how, how things go. And what we, what we try to do is we also look to ask the customers, and this is on the wholesale side, what is it that you'd like to see us carry? What are people asking you for? And it's a combination between coming up with what we think is cool based on what we know we can do and also answering some of those questions of what people are looking for that they don't see. So I know that went down a path, but getting in um, right at the height of the boom on the retail side, it's not really working for me. By the time the boom goes bust, um, in, in 2000, so say in 97 is when I brought in my first uh, shipment. And then uh, around 98, I, I start speaking with uh, this, this guy um, from the newspaper. And then by, by 2000, we're importing our first shipment of uh, one model humidor um, in for sale. And I remember what we were doing was in order to grow business, we would go on to eBay and eBay had people who were selling and we would reach out to them and say, well, look, we got this coming in. We showed them a picture. Would you like it? And then people would just reserve how many pieces they want. And um, we didn't take any deposits. Uh, there were no contracts. It's just, okay, I'll take 12. I'll take six. I'll take four whatever. And um, it just started to roll like that. And we figured there was really no real risk because 
whatever we didn't sell wholesale, well, Dave's company can buy. And he would, he would figure out how to go through it. So there was really no risk of us just getting stuck with anything. I always made a joke back then. I says, well, look, you know, if worse comes to absolute worse, these humidors are made of wood. We can always just burn them and keep ourselves warm out on the street if we had to. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thankfully that never happened. But, um, but you know, it really, it really comes down to understanding. And I, and I like to, I like to say this, and I like to remind people of this. Some say, well, Mike, you shouldn't take this approach. But the truth is, is that we're an accessory to the business and we sell the accessories for the business without cigars being made and sold no one would need anything else no one would need any accessories um there is a tremendous amount of selection of what we make and what others make as well in the industry there's no shortage of of what to select different shapes and sizes and functions and utility the aesthetics and the feel and the, and the tactileness of, of the products. But when, when we develop something um, and anyone who develops something that's being made on any hard goods, there are commitments that need to be made, um, either opening up tooling, which takes time and money just to start to be able to make something. And then there's the, the minimum quantities that need to be produced. So as much as we could probably come out with anything the commitments of making sure that we can actually do a full production on something we got to start to become a little more selective on what it is that we launch but um there has been this insatiable appetite for accessories mm -hmm. and like i said this was tw almost 24 years ago we started the company and i remember um just wondering you know how how much of this um gets bought and how much of this are people going to want? You know, when we got into the industry, I remember the first uh, the first few accounts that I walked into where I would hand deliver, uh, you know, locally because I didn't have anyone out on the street or anything. It was just it was just me. Um, and I remember saying, "Hey, are you to one of the store store owners? Are you going to the show this year?" And he goes, "No, I stopped going." Now, mind you, this is after the, after everything just kind of like came down. And he said, well, good luck getting your money back if you go to the show. I said, why is that? He goes, well, well, either you know, either you know something that I don't, and I've been in the business 30 years, or you're just out of your mind going to that show right now. I says, well, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm a little bit of both, but um, you know, we we have these products, and I showed him the few that we had. And um, he's like, oh, these are from China. No, I, I don't buy anything from China. Well, what I came to learn was was that a lot of a lot of store owners who were buying these were were getting burned. I I kind of like I looked at one one day and it was it was something reminiscent of a of a, a shoe box that you'd get your shoes in with a sponge inside as the humidifier, mm. and um, you can you can blow on it and it would kind of fall off the table. I mean, I don't. I said, look, this isn't what we have. So I realized that there wasn't only just getting past what they got before, but then we had to lift the bar and actually show them that buying these products were a resource for them to make money. And you don't have to sink all of this money into that. You can sell it for the profit you need to buy it for, and the consumer could buy it from you and have money left over to put cigars in it. You remember that? You know, you've heard people say, oh, hey, look at, look at this up. Uh, 
look at this purse that that I just bought uh, my wife, or look at this wallet I just bought. You know, I spend X amount of thousands on it. It's just like, well, do you got any money to put in it now after you bought that? So, so I wanted to make sure that that we could we can deliver value, a perceived value, but we can also um, have it be something that's functional, that works, that makes sense, and that is all encompassing. What I mean by that is a lot of the wholesalers, when I got into this business, they were selling the, they were selling humidors by a la carte, meaning if you buy from them the humidor, then you have to buy the humidifier and the hygrometer separately. You have to buy a tray separately if they have one for it. Um, you'd have to buy dividers separately. And I said, I think what we need to do is we need to standardize this so that when you buy a humidor of a certain size, it just automatically comes with certain certain characteristics, certain yeah. attributes. Um, and that's what we did. And then we um, we serviced the accounts by if there was if there was a problem. And, and look, one of the things that we have to remember is, is that anything that's made of an organic substance like wood is, is going to have imperfections unless you spend uh, an, ex an exorbitant amount of time looking over that and making sure that it's perfect. If there's a knot in there, someone would go, I don't like it. It's got a knot on it. Okay. Well, there's levels of humidors out there and quality of furniture that people buy at a certain price point with a certain name behind it. And what I was kind of looking to do at the time when we first started our business, I was looking to figure out how we can serve the masses um, at, at a price that was reasonable and and be able to sustain the business with volume not with profit and i think that was the right way to go based on how i was wired and the experience that i had in business um and once we were able to uh, get the stores to see what we were doing and try it to see that it worked then that's when things started to roll yeah well and that's one of the things you mentioned that I love was talking about the, you know, the process with the, the producers and, and suppliers and things like that, whether, whether it's tooling or raw materials, whatever it may be. So when you guys are looking at your portfolio and it could be, it, it could be for a number of different reasons that you're going to go and say, okay, let's make this new product. So when you, either a you see a gap in your portfolio that you want to fill with the right kind of product or b you hear from consumers or uh, retail partners that there's a specific type of product they're looking for from the time that idea is the inception of that idea to you know working with suppliers manufacturers and all that to uh prototype and tooling and all that goes into it to to a, a product that's ready to ship and and be available to retail partners. What what kind of timeline on on average? I know every product varies a bit, but on average, what kind of timeline are we talking about? <clears throat> so, if we're just gonna go by the average across the board, um, it's going to take at the very least six months. Wow! I mean, at the very least. Uh, and the reason the reason for that is is um, it's, it's going to be three to four months to make it and at least the month, a month and a half just to ship it. And that's if we place the order tonight. 
That's what we're looking at. Um, So then what you add to that is the amount of time it's going to take to discuss, okay, well, which direction are we going to go in? Um, What are we going to budget for something like this? What do we think something like this can sell for? What would people be willing to pay for it? What would really make them want to buy it? And then what we start doing is putting all of that stuff down. And then we have to go out to the different uh, suppliers, the different factories who have the materials that we're looking to work with. Um, there are known quantities. Okay, we're going to work with this um, with this metal uh, stamping company to uh, to make this lighter. And then we have to um, we have to get a plating factory who is going to put the finish on it that we want. Or maybe we don't want to plate it. Maybe what we want to do is we want to come up with um, with with some type of um, like composite. Uh, a grip, like a, like a gun grip or something. Um, or if it's a cutter, maybe we don't want to just go straight with the stainless steel blades. Maybe, maybe we want to do like Damascus steel and okay, we gotta, we gotta import those bars in and send them to the factory. So every little thing is easy to talk about and it could add months to the equation if it's even possible to do what we're talking about. Uh, and that's kind of the fun part actually, to be able to sit down and discuss those things. Um, sometimes we can get carried away. Um, it's, it's totally possible to overproduce something. Yeah. Um, sometimes we gotta, you know, and you don't get that time back. Right. So if you spend the time and you go down the road and it's like, okay, look, uh, that idea that we loved, it's probably not going to work. And, um, (laughs) I think we were just getting excited about it. We don't know that the market actually has an appetite for this. So, so when, when you add in on top of like the, the, the four, four and a half months of just doing it from when you place the order, you're then looking at uh, anywhere between, let's say, two to three weeks of just kind of like, all right, guys, we've talked about this over the months. We know this is what we want to do. Let's just wrap it up. Two to three weeks to do that, one to three weeks, two, maybe like um, four to six months of just designing something. So it could be somewhere upwards of uh, a year, yeah, um, a year and a half. Um, and then sometimes you get the design right, right away. And you go through the tooling process, which could take, um, and remember what I gave you before with the production and shipping didn't even count tooling. So if you open up a tool, you may open up a tool that takes a month or two to do, and then you get some uh, first articles, samples to test, and they got to ship to you. And then when you get it, you're like, this is great, but we got to change this. And then you get the second round. This is great, but you got to change this. This is great, but you got to change this. So it's like, it, it could it could definitely take... <laughs> Uh, you know, year and a half. If if it starts to get longer than that, I say to myself, "Well, why are we doing this?" Because if it's something special, you want to come out with like a twentieth anniversary something, and you're gonna you're gonna start it two years before. Okay, I get it. That makes sense. Yeah. But if it's something that's going to go into general production that the industry is looking for, um, you gotta you gotta execute. So there, there's trade offs that you have to make. There's decisions, and every decision has a consequence. So we have to make sure that we make the right decisions, right? Isn't that, I was just talking to somebody today about it and they're like, you know, Mike, work-life balance. I go, well, look, I agree. Um, I'm not, I, I'd be a hypocrite to say that yeah, I have work-life balance. Uh, I, I like the idea. It's, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's more work, work-life decisions that we have yeah. to make. And there are consequences for those decisions. Um, there are trade-offs. Everything that we decide, we end up trading off something for it. Uh, it's just a question of, are we willing to make that trade? Are we willing to pay that price? 
to sacrifice this, but to gain that. And I think that when we make the right decisions overall, um, then then that's where we find this um, appearance of of balance that's yeah. talked about. So, Mike, where is that line when you're thinking about getting a a new humidor or that line where somebody is doing kind of what you're thinking about? So when is it time to go acquire that company or go work with another company like that? Because I don't know if our viewers know if you've you've got quite the portfolio of companies that you've have brought into your fold. Sure. So in the beginning so so let me just so that we have uh some some timeline here so we started the company in in february of 2000 by march of 2000 we were making our first shipment of that first humidor that we, that we um that we started we did that for a couple of years and i started to realize that um that what we were just talking about with making new products it's a lengthy process um with age we seem to acquire some patience. I didn't have any patience back then. And to, to take a year or six months or three days to figure out how to like do something, it just always seemed like it was too long. And um, I guess to our credit at that time, um, what, we, what we did was we, we knew what we weren't. We weren't always adequately capitalized. We weren't always adequately in stock. Um, this is in the beginning, right? The early days. Uh, we weren't always um, uh, a large enough team. So we always figured out, we got really, really good at figuring out how to make do with what we had. <clears throat> and the one thing that we could always call upon regardless of all of the things that we didn't have that maybe the competition had over us there was always one thing that we can do, and that was outwork them. So I said, if, if we can work while they're sleeping, then we can gain some, some distance. Yeah. And then I, I said to myself, okay, well, let's, let's figure out how to both make some items, but maybe there's something that we can buy. So I started to find that, um, just doing humidors when, when someone came to me once a couple of years in and said, Oh yeah, you're Mike from QI. You're the humidor guy. Hmm. And I thought to myself, it's funny. My, the future just flashed before my eyes. It's just like, you know, I, I just, <laughs> I just, I just, I just remember it's, it's just like, how are we going to remember this guy? Oh, he's the humidor guy. I go, not nah, that ain't going to work. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I can't have that. Um, so I said, all right, what, what can we be more than just this to the industry? So we started to ask questions. What would you like to see us carry? What are you buying? What else are you buying other than the tobacco? What are you buying? What do you want to buy? What are people asking you for? And little by little, we started adding some stuff. And then what I realized was, was that um, there were some companies who were smaller than us. We were small. Uh, and there were some companies that were smaller than us, but they'd be, hey, can you distribute the item that I invented, this accessory, it's cool. Look at this. Mm -hmm. This is what it does. And I thought to myself, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, would you be interested in, in, in selling it? And they're like, yeah, we, we want to sell it to you so, so you can distribute it. I says, no, would you would you sell the brand to me? Would you sell the, the trademark? Would you sell what you have? Can I buy it? 
And um, that's kind of how it started. Mm. And once we did that, and then I, I took what they were producing on a small scale and figured out how to really um, open it up to supply chain and scale it. We figured out how to get the cost where it could be, where we could sell it in bulk. And it could be these add-on items <clears throat> that really sweetened the deal for the retailers when they were selling cigars. So that's, that's where I started to realize that these accessories also come with a purpose of being a vehicle to sell cigars on a mass level. <clears throat> so there's this, there was this sweet spot of price and that always changes depending on who you're working with and, and what their, what their project is. But there's always this sweet spot of how do we get an item that has a perceived value of X at a price where we can buy however many hundreds of thousands of pieces. And I'm talking about the, the, um, cigar retailer, the, the, yeah. the cigar retailer. So how can we buy X amount of hundreds of thousands of these things so we can just give them away? So that's why I started to realize that, okay, I can acquire something. I don't have to open up tooling. I don't have to design it. In some cases, they were already trademarked and patented. And all I, all I really need to do is just do a deal with them. And a lot of times they were like, well, look, you know, I, I got it this far. I don't know where to bring it. And, um, and we would do a deal. And sometimes the person would stay on for a little while. Um, in, in the cases with like uh, Stinky, you know, Stinky's still with us. I think I think I worked that out with him in 2011. Uh, that was 12 years ago. And, um, and you know, we're, we're still, he's still involved. He's still in the industry, still comes to the shows. And then there are the, some people who are just like, nah, I'm out. This was a hobby thing. It was fun. I could, great, I got a notch in my belt that I could create something and I sold it. I fulfilled my entrepreneurial desire. Um, so everyone's got different, different interests. Um, the, the question going back to at what point, is that what the question was? At what point do you decide to, to go and, and, uh, and acquire something? Yes. Rather than build it yourself. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm always looking for what's available. Um, and there's, there's always someone who will reach out and say, um, would you be interested in this? And as time goes on, we have to, we have to really look at, because we're, we're probably upwards of around 2000 SKUs, if, if you can believe that of, of, of accessories. And again, so it's not just different types. Sometimes it's just color sets and stuff or kits or what have you. But, um, these days it's it's more difficult to to make that decision but leading up to today um we were either distributing the product and we knew what we were doing with it and what we could do with it if we had it totally under our ownership or it was something that we were getting requests for and um a customer of ours was saying hey mike we're buying this maybe you can take it on and do something with it. So it was the, the first one is always the hardest. It's like mm. getting a credit card. No one wants to ever give you a credit card before you have one. And then as soon as you have one, everyone wants you to have their cards. So it's, it's like the same thing with, with these acquisitions when before we ever did anything, no one ever thought of it. But as soon as we did one and we did another one, then someone's mm. calling us or someone's giving us a suggestion. And um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's there's no shortage of of inventions uh of of what of what is out there but i think we've picked up a lot of the 
the notable ones. I mean, let's look back. There was Cigar Caddy was early on. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was um, um, there was Stinky, and then there was um, uh, Get a Grip and Div Pro, and there was uh, uh, Hydra, and there was the adjustable digital hygrometers, uh, the Hygroset, um, Shuriken, Palio. Palio is interesting because for years I wanted to sell Palio. They, they wouldn't even let us distribute it. They're like, no, we're not interested. Hmm. And um, I, I always thought that Palio was um, a missed opportunity. Um, they, they were in business, I think, if I'm not mistaken, either at right at the time of Zykar or maybe even a little bit before. And... Um, what I what I noticed was was that um, they kind of stayed where they were at, and they didn't bring on distributors, and they weren't really out there uh, being aggressive in any way. And um, the the product was 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 really good, and uh, Zycar took the cake on that. They they went out and they just they took over. Um, aside from the acquisitions that I did for. Um, items there were several uh, companies uh, full companies that, that we acquired as well there was the big easy tobacco company in new york who was uh, somewhat of a customer of ours um, during that time um, even though we competed uh, there was orleans group who since day one was a competitor of ours and uh, and then there was the, the latest one that everyone knows Zycar in, in 2018 which is uh, almost six years ago now so of all the of all the product categories that are out there in the accessory market, I mean, everybody knows the big ones, you know, lighters, cutters, humidors. And you've got you know travel cases and draw tools and uh, all the there. There's hundreds of subcategories in cigar accessories. Yeah, can you think of one over the years that actually became a big subgenre of? cigar accessories that you thought to yourself when it was first introduced this is not a good this is not a good idea for a cigar product and then it just strangely took off yeah there is something it it doesn't exactly fit that category um there's there's nothing now that i think of it that i looked at and said this isn't a, a good idea because I was always open-minded to say, if someone wants it, let's give it to them. Yeah. Uh, there were people um, that I came across over the years who said, um, you know, Mike, uh, what you're asking for here, it's just, it's not a good design. And I go, well, wait a second. Uh, this company that's asking me to make this for them, they're a very big player in the industry. And um, they're, they're very specific about wanting it this way. I'm not going to come in and judge their design. I'm here to make it. Yeah. If I make it exactly the way they want, then I've done my part. Okay. Um, it, 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 didn't, it didn't seem like it was, it was a problem to me, the way it was designed. or what. I think there were some people who were looking at it and saying, well, look, Mike, uh, the, the functionality of this is not the best way to do it. And I go, but that's that's really not my part to comment on. I'm I'm just here to make it. Sure. So there's nothing that I can think of that was like you know from a subgenre or anything that 
it's like this shouldn't work and it did. But I will share with you um, what surprised me was these um, the furniture pieces that the, mm. what we call the cigar towers. Yeah. Now I I remember the first one that I ever produced, <clears throat> and I figured that this would be something that all the stores and commercial operations would buy. I had no idea how many individuals would want this in their homes and their offices. Yeah. That has completely taken over the um the the requirements that the that the commercial operations have. Yeah, the that is one thing that I know myself included a lot of people just consumers mm-hmm. that have massive tower humidors or cabinet humidors in in their home sure and it's i i kind of agree with you i i never i would i would have expected you know maybe one out of 50 of people that i know that are cigar smokers would have a large cabinet style humidor in their home but it's it's honestly more like 20 out of 50 right it's incredible to see that people are you know people who are really like us cigar nerds you know the that you know they they have big collections of cigars and and they want to you know keep them in good condition and a lot yeah a lot of them say i'm just gonna get a cabinet i'm gonna get a cabinet short off to my friends yeah yeah the whole thing the collection (laughs) the beauty of it the wood yeah you know yeah, and so so that right there is definitely something that um, I was pleasantly surprised for, but I had um, I had not called the, um, the the purpose for that correctly. I, I was like I said, looking at the commercial usage of it, which there is and there was, um, but I I I didn't even underestimate the consumer usage of it. I just didn't even calculate that. Um, but that just goes to show you the progression of everything. You know, my father, even to this day, will say, uh, Mike, you know, growing up, uh, I don't, I didn't know anyone who had a humidor, he said. And, and to think, he goes, how many, how many humidors are people going to have? And what we realized was, was that what I said earlier on about how we made it affordable at a time when it was just being sold a la carte and the quality was just all over the place, depending on where they were coming from. Um, we made it affordable and we, we made it um understandable so we took a lot of the because because it can be daunting it's like I, mm. i'm buying this thing for the first time am i doing it right yeah um you know and we get questions like so do i take the hygrometer and submerge it in the water and we're just like oh we got to come up with with like an instruction manual on this and put it in each side each humidor so that when they get it they understand what to do um but when we made it affordable and we made it easily purchasable then what happened was was that people would then start to upgrade or they would get um if it was a 50 count humidor they would buy one and then if they ran out of space they'd buy another 50 count humidor and sometimes people would be like i have four of these things and i just want one big one so we started to come out with the categories of um small medium large desktop and then furniture style and then commercial and then travel and then the travel started to expand and we had bigger travel um so there's the humidor category is the storage business and you you know how many storage units are popping up all over the place all the time so that kind of 
that kind of falls in suit with that. When it comes to the other categories, and we, we really dove in deep with um, the cutters and the lighters, lighters especially when we acquired Zycar. And, um, and they, they, all, they all go together, as you can imagine, but they're all very separate entities when you look at the channels in the business. Um, it's easy to just look and say, okay, well, uh, all of this is cigar accessories, but they, they really do and they can be and this this is where this is where the challenge comes in. They can all be run like like separate businesses or separate business divisions. Um, they can be looked at like that as well. Okay. Um. So I gosh, I, I had a question in my head and it it flew away. Oh, now I know what it is. Um. So there's a a big part of the business, and this is true across the cigar world. Whether you're talking about brick and mortar cigar shops or cigar brands um there's a lot of promotional items you know that mm -hmm. companies use to promote their products maybe they'll use them as giveaways at events um maybe they'll uh you know package them with with certain things and then brick and mortar cigar shops um you know they'll they'll either have promotional items on their on uh, on their counters, on their counters, or at the the tables in their in their smoking lounges, you know, with their brand branding and logo and things like that on them. Um, and then there's the consumer space, the direct, you know, or not direct to consumer, but the consumer available items that that are sold either through online retailers or at brick and mortar cigar shops. What what would you say is the sort of breakdown in production numbers? How, how much of your production is for promotional items for cigar companies or brick and mortar cigar shops or golf lounges or, or anything like that? Yeah, that, that changes um, from year to year. Uh, what, what it normally is, is about 25% custom and the rest is all open stock ordering that goes to the retailers that buy from us on a, a day, week and month basis. Um, but what we're seeing is, is that whenever there's times of any type of either a low or a real hot market, we find that the customization aspect, the, the, that part of the, of the production increases. And um, these items that you're talking about, we call swag, right? Stuff we all get, swag. Yeah. Um, the promotional items... Uh, they're items that when they're purchased, they're not necessarily resold. So what we need to do is we need to actually be able to work with the company that is buying them from us uh, and, and figure out ways to do what they need done. Um, and there's a lot to pick from. So we have a department in our company called Swag Bunker, and it's literally a separate section of the business that just does all of the printing and marking and engraving on the products. So we do all that in-house. We, we can do it at the factory level. We tend to do the factory level for um, large runs um, over a certain threshold. And um, we, we have the factory do that. So when they come in, they're already done. But if we're gonna do short runs for events for some of the manufacturers events or the retail events they want something for an anniversary they want something for 
uh, a cigar company that's coming to do something at their store. Um, they want to celebrate something or announce something. We'll do those shorter runs um, in our swag bunker and it'll turn much quicker. So we give the ability of being able to have something custom without having to go so deep in on it with an investment of time and money. And um, the, our customers really like that and they're taking, they're taking a lot of advantage of it. And when, when we look at the, the percentage like you were talking about before, um, we also find that when we deliver something custom and they see it full circle or if they come to our facility and they see all the machines going and they see their artwork that they designed in the process of being printed on the products, a connection is made. Yeah, There's something there that connects and it just creates this level of excitement and they see it and then they can then they can really see the possibilities of what else they can do. So it's getting that first one to complete full circle. And then when they do, then they want to try something else, something else. It's, it's easy to explain over the phone. It's not easy to understand unless you actually see it. Because whenever you say custom, even if we say it's short runs, it's quick turnaround, they're still thinking thousands of pieces in weeks or months. And then, and then I got to go all in on this one piece of artwork. Well, if I was able to have five different pieces of artwork, 100 pieces each, instead of one artwork, 5,000 pieces each, then I could do so much more. And that's where we go, yes, that's what this yeah. is. Yeah. So, so we, we facilitate that. We make it easy for them. We even do work with, um, with the company fanatics that does all of the, uh, sports licensing. Oh, nice. And, um, and, and we, we produce, um, certain, uh, of their projects. One of them that I saw the other day when I was, when I was walking through the department, they have these crystal hockey pucks that they fill with water from, from the, the melted ice from the game. And then you, and then the person who buys that has a piece of that game in this, in this crystal hockey puck. And we print whatever it is that they need printed on those hockey pucks. So we produce those. We're also working with, uh, with them to, uh, to do some work on, uh, on WWE where they take, where they cut up the mat from like oh, yeah. cer certain events. And then they, they sell that as a piece of memorabilia from that, from that event. Very and, cool. uh, we're doing that as well. So the swag bunker is getting into things above and beyond, um, uh, what it started out as yeah, and it's growing in that fashion. And, um, and the, the creativity is really endless. Um, there's, uh, there, there's a, a, a sales representative we had, uh, in the past who, who said, Hey, can I have my, a picture of my face on the Zycar cutter on the XI cutter? And when you look at it, it's like you see his face and there's like the, the, the area where you cut the, the cigar is just like this big hole in his head. And he, yeah. <laughs> he just thought it was the funniest thing. And he would go around and he'd say, look, this is what we can do. This is, this yeah. is what we can do in-house. We can put you on here if you want. So seeing is believing and being able to show that is, is the key. And, um, and the personalization is a big part of it. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. So that swag bunker, if a smaller company or media outlet wanted to uh, get a hold of that, they would just – look you up, look your site up and then go to swag bunker or is there another? Yeah. Just, yeah. So, so we're in the process of creating and running, uh, creating and launching swagbunker.com. Mm. Um, and, uh, in, in the meantime, it's just all th contacted through quality importers. 
Okay. Uh, well, we would be remiss if we didn't mention to our live viewers, we have a giveaway going on right now on HowAboutThatCigar.com. So as you can see on the screen, uh, we were very grateful to receive the Zycar Burnout Ashtray, which I've ever since this ashtray launched, I was like, this is the most badass ashtray I've ever seen. It's super cool. Uh, I'm going to put the link to that giveaway in the comments right now so you guys can enter. And this giveaway is going to be live until noon on Friday, uh, noon central time on Friday. Will there will there be a hashtag towards the end of the show for this? I think there will be. Stay tuned. Stay tuned while we're while we're live here. So uh, Raul is going to unbox this beauty for us. If you guys don't know, I'm his Vanna White. <laughs> <laughs> we got the Vanna White here. Uh, and and while he's taking that out of the box, um, we did mention this earlier. We had a question. I'm smoking the Crux Epicure Habano. And Raul is smoking the... United Lancero. The United Lancero from United Cigar. Um, so yeah, this, this burnout ashtray is spinner too if you it's, need to it's beautiful and this is i mean this is not this is not chrome plastic this is solid i mean this is real deal uh solid metal yeah, you can hear it beautiful i mean it's like it's like the most beautiful wheel off of uh your your favorite sports car i mean and the cigar fits right in these slots right here the ash falls right through you take this off you dump it out you're done and it's i again this is the most badass ashtray. I remember when you guys launched it. Uh, I saw it at the uh, at at the then IPCPR show, and I said, "Yep, that's a gorgeous piece." So, so somebody from How About That Cigar, uh, one of our lucky viewers or listeners or uh, website visitors, will uh, will be able to win this bad boy, and we'll have a we'll have a little extra hashtag to get you some some extra entries uh, later in the show. Cool. What was the what was the inspiration for the the burnout series, Mike? You know the the bur the burnout actually was created just before we acquired the company, and I remember going over to the Zycar booth, and um, and seeing it displayed. It was it was probably um, I'm trying to remember the year was that uh, twenty. It was probably the show, twenty seventeen. Yeah, twenty seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That was before the acquisition. That's right. Yeah. Just, just before, yeah. I mean, just, it, so the show is generally, or was generally in uh, the July part of, you know, the, the summer months. Um, and uh, we, we wrapped up at the end of January, 2018. So that was only about like seven months before. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to say this right now because last week, uh, one of our viewers, Dax Ballinger, who is in the comments right now, he also just made up on the spot the hashtag. Um, and I'm going to say this is another great one. So that's going to be the hashtag this week. So as you see on your screen right now, hashtag wheels of steel. So everybody who enters that hashtag live in the comments on Facebook and YouTube right now, that's going to gain you an additional 25 entries into this uh giveaway so go to the link that i put in the comments and you guys can enter the giveaway you have to enter first at that link and then also put hashtag wheels of steel in the comments live on facebook and youtube and 
Um, you can get lots of entries on HowAboutThatCigar.com, and this hashtag is going to give you an additional 25. Now, I want to clarify something because last week we had some people comment after the fact on YouTube or comment on the web page, and I, we appreciate that, but that's you got to do it live while we're on the air right now. So between now and the end of the show, if you put hashtag Wheels of Steel after you've entered the contest, that's, <clears throat> excuse me, going to give you an additional 25 entries. And you can enter the giveaways live now on HowAboutThatCigar.com, and you can enter every day. So, you know, get your entries up there. So, and and honestly, don't be greedy. Share it with your friends. Yeah. Let your friends know that because, hey, you're, you want your friends to be able to have a chance to win it too. <laughs> Mike, I got a hey, question. Speak yeah, speak, speaking of not being greedy, so did you say Dax came up with that hashtag? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So may, maybe what we need to do is we need to we need to take care of Dax. We'll talk about it. Uh, we'll talk about it off oh, air, yeah. and then uh, and then we'll we'll go for that. Appreciate that appreciate that, Dax. Yes, Dax has been on. He has been the the man on the spot with the hashtags the last couple of weeks. So, Dax, you're you're gonna have something uh, special coming your way as well. Thank you very much for that, Mike. Appreciate that. Awesome. Um, and. So, so yeah. Quick question: How yeah. how involved are you with the day to day? And I, I love most of your uh, stuff. Like the V cut has a punch on the bottom. I love that idea. So, how much are you involved with the the extra add-ons uh, on your products? <clears throat> so uh, these days, and and for the uh, recent past, um, when we acquired Zycar. Um, we realized that we were going to need to increase as opposed to what we did just from quality importers in general by ourselves before we were going to have to increase the amount of output on the designs and we were going to have to design more as opposed to just acquire to grow we were going to have to continue in some fashion what zycar had always done and in a way that was going to be relative to what we do. And that really speaks to um, what a member of our team, Jimmy Miuto, does. He's, the, he's the, the head creator of all of these products that you've seen over the last five plus years. And he spent a large stint of his time in the industry working for Calibri. Mm. So when we brought him on about... Um, I'd, I'd say probably within within the first year of when we acquired Zycar, um, I believe he was at Calibri for about 20 years at that point. And he knew very, very well uh, about Zycar because he competed with Zycar for a very long time. And he knew uh, he was he was also the one who designed um, the Quasar for Calibri, which has oh, been what yeah. uh, you, you're, you're aware is one of one of their one of their hit pieces. Uh, for a while i think they even relaunched it in some fashion um so a lot of that comes from him and uh others around the company there are people who feel that they want to chime in and give some feedback and we're encouraging our team uh and whoever wants to to chime in and give ideas more and more and they're doing that and um and that's good you know there's a lot of people who come up with ideas and they go i i'm not a designer i don't create and we're like but everyone's a consumer Every oh, one yeah. of us is a consumer. So why don't you think, why don't you put your, your consumer hat on and think about that rather than 
put on a, a hat that you you feel you don't have or that doesn't resonate with you. Don't look at it as the designer because then you're putting yourself under this pressure that you have to design something. Uh, the design already exists. If we really want to think about it this way, the design already exists. We just need to figure out how to put it into reality. Yeah. And that and that's not to that's not to take what um uh, what what Michelangelo did with the uh, with the statue of David, but they asked him, "How did you create it?" And he goes, "Well, David was already in there. I just let him out." Mm. Okay, oh. um, you know. And then there's then there's the other take on it because you can take uh, um, what Steve Jobs did um, when they said to him, uh, "Steve, don't you want to ask your customers what they want to see on the iPhone?" And he goes, "No, <laughs> because they don't know what they want because we haven't made it yet, but we will." Yeah. So you know, it's it's like these are all different philosophies and what to answer your question about my involvement day to day. Um, I am actually at the point now where I'm looking and I'm vocal about this. Uh, I want to see what the power of numbers in the team can deliver. Yeah. And I want to see the company grow beyond me. Again, let's go back to what I said earlier about, Hey, there's the, there's the, uh, the humidor guy. Um, I'm not looking to be known for how many cigar accessories we've, we've acquired or we've sold. Um, I like to deliver value. I like to have fun. I like to create things. I like to, I like to dare myself to see if I can do things. Um, but for this to grow in the next stages going forward, I think it's going to be largely, um, born from the team that we have, uh, going, you know, from this point on. Yeah. Well, and one of the cool things that, and this could be cigars, you know, it could be a group of people, you know, sitting around a, a cigar lounge talking. It could be, uh, even outside of the world of cigars, it could be friends or, or, uh, acquaintances at a, at a restaurant or a bar, uh, or at a game somewhere. Um, but there is something sort of as a, a mutual, mutually understood, you know, hobby, especially when it comes to cigars and for the for the really involved cigar consumers um we talk about everything we talk about what we're smoking we talk about what we're pairing with the cigars you know with whether it's drinks or whatever we talk about the accessories that we have we talk about the cutters the light all the time we're, we're oh oh i haven't seen that lighter i haven't seen that that uh travel case before things like that um and I would imagine that there have been products in the past that have sort of blossomed from a cigar shop conversation, um, you know, and how do you guys tap into sort of the, whether it's the consumer bringing you ideas or, or a brick and mortar shop owner coming to you saying, Hey, so either I, or one of my customers had this idea for this thing and I don't know if it exists yet. Or, um, how do you guys feel those, those questions and ideas coming in if they come in at all from, from, uh, shops or consumers? So there are different trade shows that we do. Um, we do both, uh, trade to the industry and we also do trade to the public. Um, and the, the public, the consumer generally ends up making their opinions known and it either gets to us directly from them when we see them 
at those events, or it goes to the store owners, the proprietors, and they're the ones who tell us, you know, I keep getting asked for this. And the one example that comes to mind um, is the V-cut. And the V-cut kind of like, you know, some years ago just started to catch on and then it started to run and then it started to fly and then it exploded. And a V-cut is, is actually something that um, I don't personally ever use. I never have one around to, if, if there's one there and I need to cut a cigar, I'll cut it. I don't, I don't hate it, but it's, it's not something that like just is my choice. Um, I spent some time down in, uh, in, in Nicaragua and there was, uh, it's funny, you know, I'm the, I'm the accessory guy, but I didn't have any accessories with me. And I'm just like, ah, hey, you know, if, as long as someone has a light, I could just peel the cap off here with my finger and I smoke the cigar. Uh, there were other guys there just biting off the end and stuff. But the thing is, is that um, when you when you let people know that um, their ideas can turn into a reality, they start to they start to tell you. And when you can show them, look at what we did with this person's idea. Look at what this idea became. Look at what this idea became. Someone thought it would be cool if we did this and we did this. That really gets people fired up and that gets them speaking. So. You know, these days it's pretty easy. In the beginning, like I said, when no one knows you and they, they don't know what's possible and you don't have anything to show them, it's kind of really hard to just sit and visualize stuff. But like you said, you know, you can be in a lounge or you can be having dinner. Or you can be just, you know, relaxing and talking. And during that relaxed state, the energy flows. And when energy flows, ideas flow with it. And as, as long as you're willing and daring and crazy enough to say it, then you can create it. And if it can't be created exactly the way you're thinking, well, then you create it in the way you can. Creating it is actually not the hard part. Um, getting someone to buy it at least twice mm. is the part, you know, because look, we, we can all sell something once, but if it doesn't sell through and they don't reorder it, then, then was it ever really a sale? I mean, it was a transaction, but is it a sale? So when you when you get it and it goes again and it goes again, then then you know you're onto something. And the the V cut is is this phenomenon. You know, every once in a while there's this phenomenon. When I first started in the business, glass top humidors were kind of like um, somewhat of a taboo. Well, you know, no cigar aficionado wants their cigars to be exposed to sunlight well you don't have to have it sitting outside you don't have to have it at your window um but what's wrong with actually looking at it through the glass i mean think about every luxury store that you've been to when they have a product behind glass before you even know what it is your brain's saying well that must be something premium because it's, it's encased in glass mm -hmm. yep. so when you're looking at something through glass you're like look you know i can keep it in this humidor i don't have to open it I can keep it in the humidified environment that it's in, but I can still see it. Uh, we came out, we, we designed a coffee table years ago like that. So you can literally be sitting at the coffee table and you got all these sections of, of these drawers that pull out, but you, you, you're looking at all these cigars in there. And um, again, that was designed for lounges and then people started putting them in their homes. So th these are just wonderful surprises that we see from an idea that, when I was making the coffee table, I had just bought a coffee table in, in my house and I'm looking at it and I'm like, huh, I wonder if I can turn this into a humidor. 
So again, like I said before, as long as you're daring enough to just think about it, it can be. And then it's a question of how do you deliver it and how do you get people to uh, to want it? And um, if it's the right price and it's cool enough, it's going to sell. Yeah. Speaking That's about sure. daring, <laughs> let's talk about the dueling dragon flaming pearl. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So we, um, so I, right after we acquired Zykar uh, at the trade show in 2018, around the, the summer of 2018, I remember saying to Jimmy, I said, Jimmy, I want to create a museum piece unlike anything that Zykar or, or Quality or anyone in the accessory space has done. I want to come up with something that's wow. I want to do a one of one of something. And I think that uh, there's nothing better to commemorate the purchase of Zykar with than to take their icon of a cutter, the XI1, and to uh, make it into something unlike uh, anyone has seen before. And um, Jimmy was living in Manhattan at the time in, in Midtown. And he goes, I have an idea. Jacob and company is right up the block from me. Let me just kind of go in there and have a talk with them. So I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. That's, yeah, like, let's do it. And um, then I said, well, once once you go in there, what are you going to talk about? Like, I'm sure, look, they're known for creating one of one pieces uh, that are totally custom. I think we got to go in there with an idea. He goes, well, I got something in mind. And um, I says, okay, well, when, when, you, when you flesh it out, let me know. And he came up with this presentation uh, that, he, that he kind of drew up. And there was a story behind it. And there's this, uh, there's this Chinese folklore that talks about these dueling dragons that are chasing the flaming pearl. And he literally created that on the face of, a, of, a, of an XI1 cutter. And I said, this is interesting. I said, uh, I've never seen anything like it. Mm -hmm. I said, um, I think that fits the bill of what we're looking to do. Now we just got to see if it can be pulled off. And we got to see, you know, at, at what price and what it could be sold for. And um, I looked at this piece as kind of like when you go to a car show and you'll, you'll pass something like the, you know, a company like the Ford booth. And uh, I remember I was I was passing and they, they had their they had their different uh, models and they had their uh, at the time the the Taurus and um, um, the Focus and all of these different large production cars and then they had this thing that looked like a spaceship yeah. and I said to myself wow you know this just go they're doing this to show what they're capable of don't put them in a box for just what they make and sell on a on a large scale basis yeah so that's that was kind of like their museum piece and i'm looking at this and i'm saying okay how do we make a museum piece and um and, and there it is i mean you know this this is something that really raised the bar on how we at quality importers uh would think yeah. And and this really kind of gives us the ability to follow it up with uh, now that we've done it and we've we've been um, successfully 
working with Jacob and company for other models and designs that they've done at a, at a lesser price to be able to be something, again, it's not, mm. not, none of it is inexpensive, but a lot less expensive than this one piece. And what we find is, is that there's, there's a lot of that, what I explained about the car companies and, and, and even you can go to the electronic shows. And right when they were coming out with the plasma big screens that you can put in your house and they had a, you know, a, th a 35 inch TV for your house. I mean, you remember back then? And, yeah. and then you'd go to the, 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 the Comdex show in Vegas and Samsung would show when they're, when they're just getting ready to launch their 35 inch screen for your home, they're showing you like a 180 inch screen that, that like is, is, is an example of what they can do. And then they came out with the uh, LED and then the organic LED, the OLED, and they're always showing what's next. So I think that in a, in a world where we were looked at, like I said, as the humidor guys, and now it's the accessory guys, well, then it's like, okay, well, what category are they in? Well, they're in this price category. Well, I think what we did was we showed that Zycar can be way, way, way up here selling, you know, cutters in the tens of thousands of dollars. That dragon is MSRP of $150,000. Um, you know, that's, it, again, it's, it's showing what can be done. It's not yeah. that we're going to go into production on those and that we're <laughs> going to find X amount of people to buy that. Right. Um, I don't think that's what people think when they see it. I think it's like, oh, well, that's beautiful. Who created that? Where can I find the story behind that? And who are these guys who did it? Yeah. Yeah. It, build, it builds excitement. I love my my favorite thing just on this, this page with the, uh, this dueling dragons cutter it's a little circle that says out of stock i just <laughs> you think you think one of piece one of one it's out of stock i love that it's great so so they, you know and and there's 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 companies out there who um live in that space yeah um who, who operate in that space and um i think i think it's important to uh stretch and to reach when it's necessary not doing it just to do it but when it's when there's a purpose when it's necessary um when we have a reason to do it and um uh, timing is everything too so when the time is right and i and i will say on the timing note <laughs> we launched that at the tail end of covid and i said you know why the hell not you know let's just put it out there and see what happens what's the worst that happens Right. It gets forgotten about. Well, I mean, come on, then we relaunch it again. Okay. Yeah. You know, but the, the thing is, is that um, it, it was, it was picked up, you know, I, I don't know. I, I didn't catch who made that publication, but cigar aficionado was, uh, was one who, who picked that up and, and, um, and ran with it in, in one of their issues. And, um, you know, we, we really appreciate the acknowledgement on that from them. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, I, I have a question for, I got one more. You got one more. Okay. One more question. Do it. So if you can tell us what are the companies out there that's piquing your interest in acquiring? Wow, you're you're digging. Man, I didn't I didn't know you were wow, I love it. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because um <clears throat> when um 2 years ago, uh Alex Goldman, previously from House of Oxford joined us and I said, you know, there's there's so much that we have done in accessories and we're here to support 
the premium cigar industry with the accessories that we do. I said, we've, we've had some um, involvement with some cigar brand trademarks and we do some, some royalty stuff on that. And we did uh, at one time um, wholesale cigars, but it would be really cool to be able to um, uh, get back into that in a meaningful way, in a way that accompanies what we're already doing, um, in a way that we can support with the Swag Bunker and all of the brands that we've acquired over these years. So if you think about it that way, um, without revealing too much, you can imagine how we could promote one. Yeah, mm -hmm. I dig it. So am I hearing <laughs> cigar line coming from you, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> we'll stay tuned. Okay. We will we definitely watch. stay Absolutely. tuned. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so I think... It's time. Uh, it is de it's definitely time. All right, guys. It is now time for this week's Numero de los Muertos. And as always, Numero de los Muertos brought to us by our friends at Smoke In. Honesty, beer with a goat, to tell you about Smoke In's Cigar of the Month Club. Every month, I personally handpick five premium cigars. Another great feature is our Double Down Club. With a simple check mark, you can get double this great selections every month and save $10. Every month there's a special discount code where if you like any of the selections, you can get them at a special discounted rate for our Cigar of the Month Club members. We've made it super simple. All you gotta do is log into your account. There's a little green button there. If it's green, you're active. You wanna take a break going out of town? Simply hit the button and you'll deactivate your membership. We get this stuff out on the 28th of every month. Our membership bills on the 28th and we get every member's package out on the 28th if it's a shipping day. All delivered to your door for $34.95. Five great reasons on what makes Smoking Cigar of the Month Club the best club out there. Check it out. Peace. All right. Numero de los Muertos, episode 216. Do we want to tell Mike how this works? So, Mike, this is... This is probably you're you're gonna see this as the weirdest segment you've ever seen on a cigar show before uh and it is it's weird so uh we talk about weird ways to die <laughs> and the it's it it ends up being weird but it's fun and we all get in on and you as well get to join in on tw playing 20 questions trying to decipher what this weird cause of death is you know, there was that show, A Thousand and One Ways to Die. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you guys with, with this probably enjoyed watching that. Yeah. Uh, and over the years, it would vary in different numbers, you know, 3,500 or 200. And for the last few weeks, we've I've just been going with the number one. And then and then you, along with our viewers and Raul and Justin here in the studio, uh, try to just basically play 20 questions and decipher this weird. So this is again, the number is one and I will say it took place in Canada. 
We have a Canadian viewer tonight. We do have a Canadian viewer. That's right. No cheating. Stay off the internet. So okay. So 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 explain this to me. So the number one in Canada. So so what are we what are we doing? So you're you're looking for a you're looking for a cause of death, and you can you can literally play twenty questions with me, you and our viewers and these guys here in the studio. You can play twenty questions with me and just break it down what the what this cause of death was for this weird unusual way to die and when and when you say it's number one what what's what's number one i mean there was only there's there's only one there's only one confirmed case of a person dying in this particular way like last last week someone was (laughs) pecked to death yeah pecked to death by chickens was last week so so first guess from david floyd is it raul's mustache (laughs) i don't think that's ever killed anybody not yet. No. <laughs> Dave might what be about the first a, one. What about poutine overdose from Rich Jordan? It's a good guess considering it was Canada, but not poutine. Instantaneous combustion? No. Nope. No. Nope. You got you guys got to you it's not frostbite. Is it okay, do is, with an animal? Uh animals are not involved. Is it on land or water? Land. Land. Are vehicles involved? Vehicles are not involved. These are some of the questions we can not yeah, get so knocked these, out of the these way. These are the right these are the questions, Mike, that that kind of help okay. narrow it down. Frozen land involved? Uh, n- no. no. Not the cold. No. Not jumped in Niagara Falls. We had that one before. Nice try, Dex. Yeah, cold. More than one. I'll say cold is is not a factor. Temperature is not a factor. Okay. Hmm. 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 Canada, no animals. My first thing was going to be something with a moose. Yeah. Hmm. You said no animals, right? No animals. Is it a workplace accident? You could call this a workplace accident. Okay. Yes. Someone got drowned in a bath of beer. No, No, we we had that. We had beer once. (laughs) We had that one. Uh, Snowmobile? No? No, no vehicles. Cigar price sticker shock there in Canada? In Canada, cigar sticker shock would would probably cause that, but that's not what this is. You got anything, Mike? No, I'm... uh, Um, All right, so I will say that... Is is, is farming equipment involved? Farm equipment is not involved. I will say that um, a a very tall building was involved. Very tall building. Was it jumping off this building or fell off this building or... Pushed off this building? In a way, yes. Somebody skydived, flat jumped off the building and came back and smacked their head on the Nope. Floor. So they didn't choke on make a little syrup? No. no. The person started out, before they died, they started out inside the building. Inside the building. And then they got pushed through the glass and fell to death. You're, you're, <laughs> I'm going to give it to you, Justin. I'm going to give it to you. What? So uh, no. a, a Canadian lawyer. Yeah while trying to prove that the glass in the windows of a 24th floor office were un- was unbreakable he threw himself into the glass <laughs> and he was right the glass didn't break okay but the entire pane of glass came out oh and he fell okay. to his death from the 24th floor <laughs> so i guess that was his last case huh <laughs> <laughs> he won he won <laughs> Case, he did. Did he really win? Case closed. Yeah, case closed. You, I, I don't know which button it is for the warrant, warrant, warrant. Yeah, he was. He threw himself into the glass. The glass did not break, but it suddenly popped out of its frame, and he plunged to his death. 
So no more. Just proving there. that the glass was on brick. Hey, yeah. he proved his point. Yeah. He, he did. I mean, in the end. So yeah. he, he won his last case. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, weird. What a way to go. <laughs> I know, right? Well, and it was in Canada. So let's hope it was like summer in Canada. So, right. so his, well, you know, his last few there. moments yeah. uh, during the plunge, were it was warm out at least. Yeah. Right? I don't know. these last few these last few have been blowing my mind because there are some there are people who have who have unfortunately died in some of the freaking weirdest ways i could ever Mm. ever possibly imagine jason said that happened a few months ago actually was that was that recently and then glass broke at the bottom so dax says did the, the glass break when it hit the, the glass floor? probably did break. i mean 24 <laughs> yeah, floors right, right. Uh, yeah. yeah body on i mean it can only take so much yeah. <laughs> all right so that was this week's numero, numero de los muertos all right let's jump into the lightning round brought to us by our friends at jc newman cigar company america's oldest family-owned premium cigar maker creators of the popular brick house perla del mar diamond crown and the american jc newman cigar company operates out of their 112 year old el relo cigar factory in historic cigar city tampa florida for more information on their cigars or visitor experience please visit jcnewman.com all right so, Mike, if you yes. could hear the thoughts of one living person for 10 minutes, who would it be and why? It's hmm. a unique question. I can't say I've been asked that before. And we've had a wide range of answers on this. So there is. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'd probably say that um, in my waking state right now, I'd like to be able to tap into my subconscious and figure out what's going on back there. <laughs> wow. All right. I love this. This, this is a first that somebody has answered themselves. And I, I think that's a, I love that answer that you want to tap into your sub subconscious. That is yeah, because awesome. be, Yeah. Because we, we have this, um, we all have, well, first of all, the, the subconscious is, is largely running our lives day to day. This, the yeah. conscious part of everything is kind of just like, you know, doing the, you know, interaction between what we're dealing with, but all of the involuntary things that are going on are being run by subconscious. It's like when, when, you're, when you're driving down the road and you see a sign after sign after sign after sign go by, eventually you forget what you saw, but yeah. it's, it's, back, it's, it's back there. So we can tap into it, but we have to get into a different state of mind. There's the alpha and the beta and the theta, you know, um, states of mind. They're different waves and frequencies. And in order to get that, you have to be in either certain relaxed states or in REM sleep or something like that. But to be able to do that, like right now, if we were able to do it, I would do that. That is awesome. Nice. Great answer. All right. Thank you. A, le much, a far less deep question. If you were about to get into a fight, what would your soundtrack music be? <laughs> these, these are great questions. Um, I, 
I love that you're giving yeah, you these got, very deep thought. I really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, because look, you know, because the, the first thing that came to mind is not what I would do. It's what I thought of. And that was Eye of the Tiger because of Rocky. <laughs> but that's not that's not that's not my choice. It's just what I remember seeing. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm like stuck on that. But actually, I would I would probably I would probably go the other way. Now, when you say get into a fight, what, what kind of a fight is it? Is it an argument fight? Is it a fist fight? It, we're talking we're talking a brawl like like if there was a movie made about your life and and the main character you was about to get into a big brawl fist fight what would that music behind that fight okay. scene be okay it would it would be it would be at the end of the song the guitar solo by David Gilmore on the turning away oh nice <laughs> nice oh one of the greatest guitar players to ever do it absolutely brilliant choice i think we need he needs the zombie question Oh, absolutely. I think the way he's absolutely. thinking about and I think the zombie. Yes, yes. Hit it. All right. So the zombie apocalypse is coming and you get to choose three people from the cigar industry to be on your zombie apocalypse survival team. Who do you choose and why? Okay. Three people on my zombie apocalypse team. Okay. Let me see. Um, currently in the industry, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Um, I love okay, it. I got two. I got two. I'm, I'm just finding the third. I love it. The wheels are turning. This is awesome. <laughs> Okay, the first the first one would be Abe, oh, because yes. of the because of the brute force. I mean, I just I just see, you know, you can you can just you can just see him like coming in like double. I, I I still think to this day, remember, remember when he did um uh, Ming, the oh the yes, foot with you know Drew Drew State just like that menacing look. I mean, I I'll never forget that. So yeah, so so I could I you know he's sitting there like this, you know, in his in his stance. You got to have mm -hmm. him on your team. Um. Matt Booth. Okay. Yes. Yep. Very popular um, answer. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because not, you know, he's, he's kind of, he's kind of like, he's, he's, he's got that side to him, like the Joker has, right. You know, where he can kind of like come there and just present and then all of a sudden, like he does something to just kind of like whack you out. He'd have the zombies kind of like thinking twice. Right. <laughs> and he's got the guns. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the third, and the third one would be, would be John Drew. Oh wow! Okay, you know because uh, you know I think with those three, I'd 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 feel I'd feel ready. I'd feel ready to take them on. I love it. Yeah, they, 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 yeah, they, they would. The zombies would run with that team. <laughs> they would. That's fantastic. I love it. All right, let's uh, let's do this week's notable smokables. Brought to us by Luciano Cigars. Notable cigars. Notable passion. Notable purpose. Uh, so, Mike, in this segment, each week, we all name a cigar that we've smoked recently that was notable to us. Now, this could be a cigar that's been on the market for decades that we just revisited for the first time in a long time. Or it could be a cigar that's brand new to the market that we tried for the first time ever. Uh, now, is there something you've enjoyed recently that stood out to you? Um, yes. Um, there's... There's a cigar that 
uh, La Aurora did that um, that I tried when we did the uh, rollout event in Miami at the St. Regis Hotel uh, for the uh, the Jacob and Company partnership. Yeah. Um, it's the I'm trying to remember the the exact cigar that it was. It was um, actually I, I have one over here. Give me one second. Yeah, absolutely. Well, while he's up, I will tell you mine. Yeah, do it. Mine is the Belmore yes. Cero from 2019 Oscuro. Yeah. Lanceros. Did I say Lanceros? I like Lanceros. Yeah. Wait, we you, smoked it you on like Saturday. Lanceros, you said? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. A little bit. Just a little bit. We yeah. smoked it on Saturday and I was blown away. Yeah, you were kind enough to give me one of those as well. Really such a good cigar. I, I miss that brand. Mm-hmm. All right, that is the La Aurora. Yeah. Oh, the 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 Ordage. Ordage. Yeah. So such a great cigar. I agree with you a hundred percent. That's, mm. um, oh my gosh, beautiful cigar. Um, Justin, what was a notable for you this week? I'm going with the new HBC Hot Cake Golden Line. Oh yeah, the Connecticut wrap. Connecticut. Yeah. yeah. Good uh, breakfast cigar in the morning on Saturday before I went to an event. Uh, so got. What was the Ventola on that? Because that thing looked big. Um, I want to say it's probably at least a fifty-two. Yeah, it's a big. It's a bigger ring gauge. Yeah, yeah, fifty-two, fifty-four, maybe. Yeah, I thought it was a sixty from your picture. No, well, that's because you know. I'm looking at the picture. Small hands. (laughs) Uh, My notable this week was uh, the Room 101 14th anniversary, uh, given to me by this guy right here. And I, I mean, all the like the the 10th and the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th. They've I've enjoyed all of the Room 101 anniversaries, but this 14th, there was something really special about that 14th. It's phenomenal, Mike. If you haven't smoked it, get one. Oh my gosh. I smoked mm. through a box and a half already. Well, such, yeah, that sounds good. Such a great cigar. Um, so, Dak, you see highly what Dak recommended. Said? What's that? Camacho. Oh, the Camacho Broadleaf. I'm not, I'm not sure if, if you're being facetious or not with that dax but i mean it's, i'm not saying it's a bad cigar it's so camacho sent us some of those cigars it's we were surprised by it because it it wasn't a super powerful cigar it was more mild mild to medium than it was and that more than you would expect from a broadleaf wrapped cigar and it is honduran broadleaf so it's different than your 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 connecticut broadleaf but we were expecting a powerhouse of a cigar and it was more mild to medium uh for us so um, so that was this week's notable smokables brought to you by Luciano cigars, improving lives through fine cigars. Please visit LucianoCigars.com to learn more. All right. Some coming attractions that we have in the next few weeks on how about that cigar live brought to us by our friends at AJ Fernandez. AJ Fernandez now produces unparalleled premium cigars in Esteli, Nicaragua. The A.J. Fernandez for- portfolio of cigars provides blend, strength, and flavor profiles to match the preferences of any premium cigar consumer, whether it's New World, Dias de Gloria, San Latano, Enclave, or Bayas Artes. You are sure to be satisfied with a premium cigar from A.J. Fernandez. All right, next Monday night, October 8th, we have Pete Johnson from Tatuaje Cigars coming back to the show. Always love having him on. On October 16th, we have a first-time guest again, 
Tommy Farrell from Nickel City Cigars. On October 23rd, we have Hector and the crew from Espinosa Cigars going to learn all about the fun stuff coming up at La Zona Palooza 2023. And closing out the month of October on October 30th, none other than Steve Saka from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust coming back onto the show. Uh, so, Mike, if you would please give our viewers and listeners an idea, where is the best place for them to keep up with everything that Quality Importers and your family of brands has going on? <clears throat> the um, qualityimporters.com uh, website is um, is the, the website that we have the products listed. Um, Zycar on Instagram and uh, QI Trading on um, on social media, also uh, Twitter, uh, are the places where you're going to be able to see um, the most um, up-to-date information that we release to the public. Um, and we also do get inquiries uh, over email uh, from people who are either um, longtime supporters of us on the um, on the consumer side or uh, have experienced some service with our warranty division. So they ask questions as well that that kind of also make it up to us um, on anything that they're interested in or looking for or like to tell us as far as testimonials. So we welcome all the feedback. Fantastic. Well, uh, Mike, we cannot thank you enough for being on the show tonight. Uh, we love visiting with you and learning about, uh, learning about QI and everything that you, uh, have accomplished in this business and, uh, just keep doing what you're doing, man. We really appreciate what you do in the, in the industry. Thanks for being I on appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Matt and Raul and Justin. And if you guys are, ever find yourselves down in South Florida, make sure to, uh, let us know and we'll definitely have you over. We'd love to have you. Absolutely. Uh, and one reminder, final reminder for our guests, we have a great giveaway going on. So, uh, again, go to howaboutthatcigar.com and enter the giveaway for the Zycar Burnout Ashtray. You guys will not be sorry. You definitely want to have that in your collection, in your home smoking lounge. Uh, so, guys, thank you so much for being the best part of How About That Cigar. We, How About That Cigar Live. So grateful to you watching live on Facebook and live on YouTube. And, of course, for our audio listeners on your favorite audio podcast platform. Guys, thank you so much for listening while you drive down the road, when you work out, whatever it is you do, when you listen to your favorite audio podcast, we're grateful that you have made us a part of it. Uh, if you have any questions, you can email us on the website, howaboutthatcigar.com. Be sure to follow us on all social media at HBT, uh, at HBT Cigar. Make sure to like and follow and subscribe and do all that fun stuff. All that fun stuff. And, uh, of course, until we see you guys next time, burn cigars. Not bridges. Thanks, guys. Thanks. God bless. Any comments, opinions, viewpoints, or statements presented or uttered by guests on the HBTC podcast, HBTC live video streams, and all other media from HBT Media LLC are solely those of the individual and do not necessarily represent the opinions or viewpoints of How About That Cigar or its parent company, HBT Media LLC, any of our advertising partners, or the premium cigar industry. The primary purpose of How About That Cigar is to entertain and to encourage activity and growth within the community of people who enjoy or want to learn about the enjoyment of premium cigars.